Good evening. Yes, all very good here. How are you travelling? Yeah, not too bad. All good, all good. Back from holiday. Was that just a quick uh, trip somewhere? Yeah, I went. I went playing. Um, I went to play uh, golf in Dublin for a few days with some mates. It was. I'm tired. <laughs> I bet you are. I'm struggling. It was a. It was a long week. <laughs> so whereabouts? Which coast? So it was on. It, so it was Dublin. So it's east. It's like southeast. And um, so we played four courses in four or five days. Jesus. They were all like northeast Dublin. So they're all quite easy to get to. And we stayed like north side of the city. But um, yeah, we had a couple of nights out that were quite heavy. And then I, we ended up, we, I don't know why we decided, we decided to drive there and get the ferry across. Oh, just for different, rather than flying. So getting back um, yesterday was an interesting journey. <laughs> so <laughs> where did you go? Liverpool and up or, or Stranraer? Yeah, Stranraer. So I didn't actually realise how, how long it takes to get to Stranraer. It takes yeah. two and a half hours from Edinburgh. And then the ferry is like two hours. And then Belfast to Dublin's maybe like two hours. So yeah, it's a long, long commute, and it can be choppy. Yeah, it was all right. It wasn't too bad. The way across was quite smooth, and I think they were they were delayed on the way back um, right. by like forty five minutes. So I think they went a little bit quicker, so it was a bit like bouncy on the way back, but it was all good. So we went on a rugby tour at school. I remember, and it was just purely it was we went over on the Friday. We caught Ireland against Wales on the Saturday. We had a game on the Saturday, and I think came back on the Sunday. And so yeah. we were what, 17, 18. Uh, everybody went down to Liverpool, trained out to Liverpool. Everybody got onto the boat in the harbour. Absolutely. Everybody shotgunning this, that, and the next thing. Okay. And we're thinking, because we were told that it was going to be a tough crossing. Uh, yeah. It's everybody shotgunning everything. All the booze was finished within about 20 minutes. And everybody said, oh, this is a piece of piss. But we hadn't even left the harbour. So we came out of the harbour and the thing was just turned into a roller coaster. There was kids who were heaving up over the side. And the best memory I've got is we arrived in Dublin. It was like four or five hours of a journey. It was absolutely horrendous. <clears throat> we were all in our, our, our school blazers, right? Uh, and, and one of the boys, my best pal, in fact, um, we got lost trying to get from the station to where we were staying. And he sat yeah. down outside this shop and he was just like sick down his place. <laughs> it's just Excellent. not a good look. Not a good look. So how, was, how was your golf then? Can you play a bit? Yeah, it was, it was okay. It was quite funny. So I play off nine. <clears throat> right. But, um, one of my mates I went with, he... Um, he booked all the courses. So because we were kind of going on a holiday, we thought, you know, we, we should probably play nice courses. There's no point in going that far and spending a bit of money yep. to play similar stuff. So we ended up on uh, like a course. It's called Port Marnock. I think it's hosted the Irish Open like 19 yes. times. Yeah. Was- and then we went to uh, Rog- uh, Rogenstown, Loganstown, Rogenstown. Uh-huh. Um, and that was that was also really tough. Like it was like. It's like three or four hundred yards short of like a pro length course, and there's loads of water, oh, um, and it's all quite soft. So it was like it was a long slog, but it's all right. Played okay for three of the four days. One day was difficult. <laughs> and and what do you go sort of low eighties, high seventies, that kind of thing? Yeah, low eighties. I think I think they were all par seventy one or seventy two. Yeah, I think I shot like between ten and twelve over on three days, and then the one day that I. I shot like 18 over was like that, that Rogan, Logan, I can't forget Rogan'stown or Logan'stown. Uh-huh. And that was just difficult. I was in the water so many times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and do you like, do you like golf more than you like cricket? Uh, probably not. I think probably like cricket more. Golf, golf's a good thing, I guess, because probably can't play cricket 
cricket's not as sustainable the older you get, I guess, yes. if you have families or just like the length of time you play. So I guess golf's quite good because there's a lot of people that play in my club that are like 60 and they still hit the ball as far as I do. Yeah, pretty much. yeah, it's yeah. Quite good. So it's quite, I think it's quite a good thing to get into because, you know, when cricket would start to die down, the older you get, I think um, you can kind of replace it with golf. And it's obviously a lot quicker to do as well, whereas yeah. cricket's like a full day. So golf, uh-huh, you can uh-huh. do it in the morning. And and what you'll find is if most, most batters are always pretty good golfers because, you know, it, it, some people will say, well, it's an easier sport because the bloody ball's not moving. Yeah, it's funny. Is they're they're both like I think they're the two most like technical sports going pretty much like they're and they're both the most frustrating. Like the risk and reward is quite is um is quite high and low. I think because you can have a terrible day like cricket if you're an opening batsman you get out first ball yeah 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 you got a long day ahead of you and golf if you're not hitting it very well you've also got a very long day ahead of you. <laughs> so um, yeah, I get I get bored hard. a little bit as far as golf is concerned. I'm a bit like yourself, sort of. 9, 10, 11 handicapper, I'll go around in sort of low 80s, sort of high, very high 70s. Um, but I'm, I'm, unless I play a lot, I'm never going to get any better than that. So I think yeah. once you get into a groove and you're halfway through the season and you're knocking it about uh, at, at a handicap, a 10 or 11 or whatever, I, I just, I, I get a little bored, I have to say. Yeah, I, I get that. Though. So I, I went through, I went through the same thing maybe like a year ago, where I kind of got quite consistent. And I would shoot like six or seven over, and I thought it's pretty good. You know, I feel quite good. But I definitely hit like a ceiling of how good I could get. Uh-huh. Like for as good as my swing was, I could not go any lower. So yeah. I then went through a phase of getting a couple of lessons and trying to completely reconstruct. Oh, the no, 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 no! Don't do that. Well, <laughs> it's get, it's get, it's getting back slowly. But Is yeah, it? it's hard. You have to take like two steps back to take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. But it's it's like one of those things. It's like a it's like a long term project. So if you're the kind of person that likes trying to improve, then I think it's quite a good thing to just plod away at for a while. So I quite like. I don't know if you've read the book Grit. Have you read the book Grit? Nope. Hey. So that's all about, so it's a book by Angela Duckworth. Uh, quite interesting. All about talent is a myth and it's all about perseverance and doing the hard yards. And yeah. I just think from a cricket perspective, it's it's a great, great, uh, great, great read. So great, Angela Duckworth. I'm sort of halfway through it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good read. It's a good read. He talks about, or she talks about, um, Skill, you have to have skill plus effort. Uh, no, yeah. sorry, talent plus effort gives you a skill, but you don't yeah. have achievement unless you do something with that skill. So once you've yeah. got the skill, you've got to put the effort in to get the achievement. And I thought, you know what, that's that's absolutely nailed it. Spot on, yeah. yeah that's yeah. pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, so no cricket last week. No chance of cricket. You just wash out. Uh, from- frustrating one it was like we turned up and i think we i think um ferguson were getting some photos taken someone from the press room taking photos we kind of put put the kit on took some photos at 10 to 12 and it started raining about 5 to 12 and it yeah. just so we got literally as close as we could to start and then the rain was on and the forecast was awful so we gave it a couple hours but we were never going to get on in reality no it was just that horrible smur that just gets heavier and heavier and by the time it stops that it's too wet yeah, exactly. Everything would have been soaked. And I think it, it probably, obviously, I wasn't in Glasgow after like half two, but I'm pretty sure it would have just set in and rained for the majority of the day, I think. So, yeah, it was not the best for cricket. Yes. I think the freeze probably wanted it to rain just slightly earlier. Yeah, I did see a bit of that. There was a lad in the, it's quite nice having the frog box streams and stuff. There's a it's lad good, in the isn't car. It? 
sitting in the back when I was driving folk back and he was kind of giving me updates as they were going and stuff. So it's quite it's quite nice that we're sitting in the changing room and like different people in, in our club have affiliations with other clubs that like they play yes. for other clubs or they have mates in other clubs uh-huh. and they're all kind of watching the stream of their mates. So it's like four or five people in the changing room watching different streams, chatting about it. So yeah, yeah. it's quite cool. Actually. Good thing to do watching the rain. <laughs> yes. And I, I do think that WDC, you have missed a trick in not sort of trumpeting this. It's just I'm surprised that there's not more in the socials. I don't know if they've got a social media coordinator there at WDCU, but it's an absolutely fantastic website now um, because the old website, they're obviously not updating the the old website. That's just been kicked into the, the, the long grass. And I think the, the new website, which is the one that's attached and has got frog box, I think that's the thing that's going to go forward because I was wondering where you could find the statistics and the tables, but I see that there's a drop-down menu on the app which gives that. So everything that was on the old, uh, the old uh, website. website, yeah, that's that's looks as if it's it's coming over. So that's great. That's great. Yeah. So talk to me. You've got Uddy tomorrow, first home game. Yeah. What's your team looking like? You have full strength. Pretty much, I think. Yeah, I think so. We're maybe missing. We're missing one or two. Um, but we're, I think we've got we've got a few extra players this year. A couple that have come in from the uni. Um, I heard that. Yeah, and there was one. There's one. There's one lad as well that's come over. There's one. There's one lad, lad that actually lives locally. He's a bit, a little bit older, but he lives locally. He's a pretty handy cricketer. He's played sort of village cricket before. And there's one lad that's come over from South Africa that's um, about 19 years old as well. We've got a couple others through the uni. So another um, McMullen. Nah, uh, maybe. Well, I never know. I don't. It's, it's handy. He ended up being like that good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he looks. He looks like a, a a good cricketer. To be fair to him, um, we've seen him play in, in a couple of friendlies, and he looks good. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. It's always interesting when people come to the UK. The amount of people that I've seen come to the UK that have come with a lot of talent, either amateurs or pros or people at uni, and then getting used to playing Scottish cricket and Scottish pitches is quite difficult. So some. They usually either go one of two ways. They either fantastic and just dominate a league, or they end up struggling a bit. So, it'd be interesting to see how they get on. But ho- hopefully, we're a wee bit. I think last year we relied on like two, th- like three batters basically for the entire season. Um, whereas I think we should have a little bit more strength and depth this year in the batting side, and bowling should hopefully be re- probably relatively similar. So, hopefully, we're a little bit more consistent. But we'll see how we go. That's good to hear. It is a double whammy. You're right. First of all, you've got to adjust to the slowness of the wickets and the ball not necessarily coming on if you've come from the Southern Hemisphere. And then you've got to deal with the way that the Scottish teams play in the West, which is you know a fairly aggressive brand of cricket, uh, which maybe some of, of the... Uh, um, some of the overseas ams and, and pros maybe aren't necessarily used to. So yes, it, it it can be can be difficult. Let's talk about your three batters. So you had a, a pretty good season there, four two four. TJ Hooker got three nine four and seven six seven for Brendan. But other than that, it looked as if you struggled. I mean, I think you're going to have to get guys pushing closer to the 200, 250, 300 to really stake a you know a, a good claim at, at having a good season. Who can you see out of the, the the others, assuming that the three of you have good seasons again, who can you see out of the sort of three or four that can sort of you can pull them up? Yeah, I mean so I think that the 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 three or four people that I'd mentioned, a couple from the union, one of the lads that come over from South Africa as well, and another lad that we picked up who lives locally, they all four of them are primarily batsmen. Um, yeah. 
So in theory, it would be through them. I, I would hope that, you know, two or three of them at least would have seasons where they'd pick up, you know, at least kind of two, three hundred runs. And if a couple of them actually play pretty well, they could probably get close to four or five hundred if they have good seasons. So but obviously I don't know yet because I haven't seen them yeah. play over a long time, but the potential's there, I think. Um so I think one lad you mentioned, Harry Booker, he's actually not with us. He moved down to Yorkshire. Um, oh, did he? Was it last month? Yeah, last month he went down, which is a bit of a shame. I think he was quite excited for the season up here, but he got a job down south with Yorkshire cricket. So he um, he moved down. It's quite a good job for him. So I think Brandon and myself, plus maybe like three or four others, and hopefully right. that's batting core this year. I'm just more disappointed that he's probably got the one of the best names in the whole league. TJ Hooker, but you're probably too young to remember TJ Hooker. Do you know no, who that's, I? That's, that's not. You've got to. I think you've got two people confused there. I think like well, that, won't be the, that won't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got. We had a lad TJ that played, and we had Harry Booker. Yeah, and I think you've got TJ and those two. Can... Is TJ? I thought. I thought. Is is Hooker's not? What? What's his? So it's Booker with a B. So it's uh-huh. Harry Booker was his name. Oh, we're just going to call him TJ Hooker. But do you I mean, know who TJ Hooker is anymore? You can call him whatever you want. Do you know who TJ Hooker is, though? Yeah, I do. I, do. I remember the name, but I don't remember. Like, I don't remember a lot about him, but I do remember the name. Yeah. So TJ Hooker it was an American. He was a TV cop, and he oh, was the TV cop. Yeah. Yeah. TV right. cop. TJ Hooker, and the guy who played him was the guy who was um, uh, not Spock, the Star Trek. Um, Captain Kirk, Shatner, William Shatner. Shatner. Yes, TJ Hooker. That was his sideline after you get kicked off Star Trek. TJ mm-hmm. Hooker. But that's very disappointing then. So I can cross him off the list. Oh, yeah, unfortunately so. <laughs> mm. Okay. Um, and Brendan's looking good. Yeah, I think so. He looks pretty good. I think he's, he's as always works pretty hard, and he's he's trained quite a lot through the winter and tried to play as much cricket as he can through the winter in Scotland. So yeah, I think he's probably again hoping for a pretty strong season. He had a good one last year, so yeah. hopefully similar again. And he played Warriors, I think. And how close was he to sort of national stuff? Did he play any A stuff? Uh, let me think about this. So I think his Brandon there's a I don't know what it is now, but there's a period of qualification. Oh, is there? Right, so we still got that, have we? I think it's like three years, I think. Um, he hasn't got a Scottish nephew or grandmother or anything like that, no? I don't think so, no. No, I don't think so. Um, no but I think, it, I think it's this summer, though. I, I feel like it's the end of this summer or during okay. this summer. Right. That's when, his, that's when his qualification's up. So I think he played Warrior stuff. And yeah. I think there was, some, there was something that Scotland did last year. I think it was before the World Cup where they had like three teams. They had like 33 to 40 players. Uh-huh. And they basically played them against each other. And that's how they picked their, or part of how they picked their squad, I think. Right. So Brandon was obviously involved in that. And I think okay. he did quite well in that as well. So I think if he has a good a good summer this summer and he plays well with the Warriors again, like he has done, then I don't see why he wouldn't start to get into that fold. He's got a chance. Perform. Yeah, I think so. So you were top wicket taker with 23 um, off of 77 overs. And what I, the rest of the wickets were very evenly split, but to be top wicket taker at 23 is probably on the low side when you look at at other teams. And normally when there are those that are top wicket takers in the sort of mid twenties, there's a whole raft of, of others who have also got 20 wickets, but you're down at 16, 14 and 10 did you feel last season that you struggled to take wickets or did you feel that it was just evenly spread and you had a fate, you could really 
count upon anybody to come on and turn their arm over for six, seven, eight, nine, ten overs? Yeah, that's probably quite a good, good question, actually, because it's weird. It's like I think in terms of in terms of like how we bowl and field. If you're watching like international cricket, in a sense, it's not like it's bad. And like the way that we the way that we bowl uh, is generally quite good. But we don't really run through teams, which is I think is why we don't have a lot of wicket takers. So like when I, I looked at a lot of other games last year, mm-hmm. there'd be a lot there'd be a lot of teams that would bowl others out for 80, 100, 120. But we never really got hit by anyone. But we always were between like 180 and 220, even if we played like a Greenock or if we played a, a Clydesdale, for example, we always kind of ended up in that bracket. So we were always like solid. We just didn't really have like someone, like, a, you know, like a really good spinner or someone with maybe that little bit extra pace or someone to just kind of run through a few more yeah. teams. We don't really have that. But everybody is pretty solid, which is why we never got hit for like 300. But it's also why we didn't really skittle teams out for 100, 120. So we we're always kind of in that middle ground. So is it of concern, having looked at that video of Dumfries, where they showed, I don't know if you've seen that on the Facebook, I tried to get um, uh, Chris to send the clip to me so I could put it on the Twitter, but he gets the ball after about 15 overs, um, and it's an absolute mess. I mean, the thing just looks as if a dog's eaten it for three weeks. Uh, And... um, if I had a concern about your bowling attack would be you've, you've mentioned that you top quality spinners, maybe something you're missing and somebody with a bit of express pace. Have you got any concerns about that pink ball and, you know, trying to be able to protect the pink ball so that it continues to do stuff for you? Because Fraser McDonald at Prestwick seemed to think that unless you had a little bit more pace or maybe was able to do something more with the ball, then it's going to be a struggle for you know, some teams, and he mentioned West um, having more of a pop gun attack. Uh, I don't know who's taking the taking the Mickey, but he seemed to think that they may be one who could potentially struggle. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it'll be harder. I think the thing that's good about doing it is it's always been a very like bowler, other than like five or six people. It's always been a very like bowler dominated league. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in theory, I think in theory, what it should do is it should create a lot of the games that were kind of like, you know, a 200 plays a 180. You might end up starting to get games where you get like 270 plays, 250, and that might become the norm. Yeah. I think I think for the the good like the good spinners, the good seamers, I don't think it'll make a massive difference. I think they still have good skills, and I don't think necessarily that like the skills of the batsmen like throughout the league will be good enough to just completely flip it on its head. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that might happen is the bowlers that are maybe a little bit slower and they don't do very much with the ball. They bowl that kind of 50, 60 mile an hour. Don't move it. Don't seem it with that old ball. Maybe they're the ones that get hit a little bit more, but I still think the the good spinners and the good seamers will still be more or less. Okay. I would have thought. And those that are maybe only bowling sort of four or five overs, uh, overs a match. um, They they may, they may not have the ability because they're not frontline bowlers. They may not have the skills and ability to be able to, hit consistent lengths which they've really got to at, at a much lower pace yeah exactly and i think because there's ways there's ways to do it as a, as a captain you can kind of if you know because like, i've had it a few times where teams have just hit us hit us to the park hit us all over the park but you can kind of be quite defensive in terms of how you cap so it might change how teams have to captain slightly because i think if somebody with a pink ball an old pink ball if there's a, a couple of good batsmen they really get on top of the pink ball they could probably dominate a bit more than what what people would do in the past uh-huh. um, so a lot of like 
I feel like a lot of the cricket that's played in the West, it's rare that you see cricket where after 10 overs, you know, there's four guys back, for example. And then you're trying to you're trying to defend basically. Usually a lot of teams are are quite attacking a lot of the time because the batting depth in a lot of teams just isn't there. So mm-hmm. it might be interesting to see that if if teams maybe can't take the wickets as quickly and as easily as they thought, it might change the way that teams have to play instead of trying to bowl a team out for a 150, 160 and just sticking with the same the same players, the same fields. They might have to be a little bit clever, be a bit more defensive and then kind of use patience a little bit more. But I don't know, it'll be interesting. I think if we get a rubbish summer and the pitches are still quite green and quite soft, it might not be a huge difference. But if we no. get a cracking summer and the pitches are hard, outfields are fast and the ball gets old and tired pretty quickly, uh-huh. then yeah, we could see a, a lot more like some more run-heavy league. But it'll be interesting. So you mentioned run heavy league, and you you, you alluded to the fact of a sort of two seventy plays two fifty. It's going to be interesting to see the mindset of a team and how they learn to adapt in chasing a two fifty or a two sixty, mm-hmm. because it's such a different way of playing cricket than chasing a, a, a two hundred. You know, if your average is two fifty two sixty. You've, you've got to carve it up a completely different way. Yes, there will be an, an element of uh, sort of 15, 20 runs in the middle where it'll be milking, but you've, you've probably got to go harder at the start and realise that, you know what, to win the game, you're just going to have to go at sixes and sevens for 20 overs. Um, yep. and, and again, asking a team to go six and seven to, for, for 20 overs, let alone 10 overs without losing wickets, it can be quite difficult. It really, that, that, I think it is going to be interesting just seeing which teams can adapt to that. And and I really think that if we have got a good summer, then the team that is going to do well or the teams that are going to do well are be the ones, not necessarily who adapt to the pink ball, but have an ability to be able to chase down a 250 or a 260 as if it's a 200. Yeah, and I think that's that's notoriously been the difficult thing. Like I remember we got promoted in what was it? It was twenty eighteen. Was the first year we got back in the Premier League, and one of the lads in the club did like a bit of an analysis, and he'd said like, look at the top two teams from the previous year, uh, and they'd like won the toss and batted first fourteen times or something like that, and yeah. then they and they'd won all fourteen times when they batted first basically, and then versus the times when they they batted second, and the stats were nowhere near the same. It was something like that, um, which kind of proved that you know. It's always been like a bat first, put some runs on the board. And if you can get 220, 230, a lot of the time you'd always back yourself to defend it. And that's, I think that's how a lot of teams have worked for a few yeah. years now. To last. So, yeah, if it gets to the point where actually if you get like a 240, 250 and teams find it in some ways easier to chase, because it's just easier to have a slightly higher um, have a slightly higher strike rate throughout the innings, if that does happen then maybe it does change. It maybe does change it slightly where teams just don't always think or just runs on the board and we're 90% chance guaranteed to defend it. More teams might start to want to chase if they find it it's much easier just to kind of fluently score runs, but be interesting. Because your your ability as a batsman is is certainly tested in having to go at six and sevens for a 20-over period. And if you can come out winning a game, having chased it down at six and sevens uh, off 20... I mean, you, you've gone, you know, that, that's a great, great effort because there's not, I've, I've not really seen too many teams batting second that take the game by the scruff of the neck and, and are able to do that. I mean, clearly yeah. Clydesdale against Fergus Lee were able to do that. I think they they whacked seven, eight and over off the last 10 uh, when, when it was needed. 
And, yeah. and I think that's a rare thing to see in Scottish cricket. Yeah. Normally, people will maybe keep up with the clock and then their brain explodes and and because it, it's very difficult to come in when you're needing seven and over because you can't you cannot just very rarely can you come in and start hitting seven and over you've probably yeah. got to come in hit three four five and over and then suddenly before you look at it you're up at nines yeah it's true it, it, it's a it's a difficult thing and I think once you're in, it's so important that one of the two that are in have to anchor that that innings, and and the two and the batsmen that are coming after that, it's almost they've got to take more risks than the guy who's the guy who's set. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it, it, it'll be inter- it'll just be interesting to see how it how it goes. It's because I think in theory it should become. I think in theory there should be more teams that are more open to, to kind of chasing now. And I, I do think it'll be a bit easier for people when they start. Because sometimes when you start with like a red ball in the 35th over it, and you've say you've got a good spinner on and the field's quite tight, it's it's difficult. But if it's kind of an old tired pink ball, it's not doing as much, then people are probably more comfortable to take risks early and push a field back early. Yep, yep. Um, so it, it might help people that are coming in in a chase. Because you say what happens a lot is when teams are chasing, the rates are like four, four five, six. You bowl a couple of overs of dots, then someone panics, skies one in the air, and then suddenly it just kind of trickles away from there. But if it's easier for people to kind of hit out early in the innings, which I think the pink, the older pink ball probably will be. Yeah. Um, I don't know how big of a difference yet, I have no idea, but it probably will make it a wee bit easier. So it'll be interesting to see if people do approach it differently and have a bit more confidence to kind of get on top of a get on top of a run, a run rate. Because as you say, a lot of what happens when teams chase historically in the last few years of what I've seen anyway is they'll kind of hang around on the right run rate and then they'll lose a wicket or two and then nobody's kind of got the impetus to get ahead of the rate and it kind of mm-hmm. trickles out and they fall 20-30 short. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So you've had Fergusley obviously off. Uddy uh, first game tomorrow then you've got West uh, down at the Garden Centre as I'm calling it now. Um, we've got Kelburn and then Langside. So I, I'm, I'm guessing Uddy West, Kelburn Lang side, you'd be looking to try and pick up what three wins there? Yeah, I don't know. I'll be honest, I've not really thought about it. I know I know the I know the run of fixtures that we have, but not I'm not giving it too much thought because I know that a lot of teams, I don't even know who I don't even know which teams have like pros and amateurs yet, but I know a lot do. Mm-hmm. So again, it's one of those things where last year I think it was easier to predict last year because a lot of the homegrown players are the players that live domestically permanently. They, you kind of know a lot of them. It's rare that you get someone that comes out of the woodwork and is suddenly yeah. a complete calm. You kind of know who they are. Whereas this year, teams could get a pro and an amateur and they could both be rubbish or a team could get an amateur that turns out to be an absolute gun and yeah. that turns kind of a poor team into a half-decent team. So I think it'll be hard to tell at the moment just because I don't know a lot about um, which teams have got which players. But um, I guess on paper, some of those teams might be easier than the Clydesdales or the Fergusleys, but you know they could easily be quite handy if they've yeah. managed to pick up um, good overseas, for example. Kelburn have got an overseas and a pro, and they're probably the only ones who have got the pro and am. Everybody else seems to have gone homegrown or, or just west. They've got a couple of, of ams that have come yeah. in, so um, no, nobody really has gone down the pro and am route oh, other really? than Kelburn, which is quite interesting. And I spoke to Fraser McDonald about that, and he he seemed to think that the, those days of a pro and am were very much are probably on the wane, if not already past us. Um, yeah. Because and he, the interesting point he made was that 
you used to get your, your New Zealanders or your Australians, your, your Pakistanis or your, your Indians. But now these guys who maybe didn't make the IPL, they maybe could go and play in the, the Pakistan Premier League or the Zimbabwean Premier League. or you know, there's, And there's for options. them, they could probably pick up the same amount of money for less hassle yeah. than they would coming over here. So it may be quite difficult to get somebody who's, who's a bit of a gun and a name. So it may well be that those days are, are, are past. Yeah, true. And to be honest, I've never, I've honestly never been a massive fan of pros. I think yeah. we we had historically at Sterling, we had a pro, Alaga, who used to play Pakistan. He was a fantastic cricketer, Sajid Ali, for like ten years, maybe in the nineties, two thousands. Yeah. He, he fundamentally carried us as a as a team, um, and we kind of had pros on and off. And then up till about, I think the last pro we had was nine years ago. Um, and I really like the idea of getting amateurs over. And I know there was there was kind of visa, there was challenges with like what the rules at the Home Office changed a couple of years ago that wrote yeah. off amateurs. Now I think there's like a visitor visa now. I think there's maybe four months, something like that, and that's why people can get amateurs again. But I prefer that idea because one, in theory, if you get amateurs, you don't fundamentally change the strength of your team because it's a bit rubbish if sometimes a team just gets carried by just one pro. Effectively. Yeah, and it also gives young cricketers, um, so like 18, 19 year old sort of bidding uh, budding cricketers to try and travel abroad and kind of test themselves and, and grow up so I've always been a big fan of the amateur route um not so much of the pros so if a lot of teams do go down the amateur route I think that's actually the healthiest way to do it as well personally there's also that thing about re- reciprocation that if you have a couple of arms who come from one of the the, the clubs in in say Sydney or or Perth or whatever in Australia, then you can create ties with that club so that budding cricketers from from your club could potentially go over there and sample yep. a season playing great cricket, and they they are just ultimately going to come back as better cricketers for sure. Yeah, and um, well, that's it as well. And and we had even like Brandon as an example came over as an amateur in twenty eighteen, and then he obviously liked it and and thought he had a a kind of path in Scottish cricket or thought that was an option and then that came back. So coming yeah. over for that one year created a time, potentially created a future option for him. And there's others that were part of the club that had moved away and then came back to the UK mm-hmm. years later that have come back and played for us. So um, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's a really good way to do it. Okay, listen, I, I've taken up too much of your time. I'm not going to take out much right. more. We did the OTS predictor um, and had you there at sixth. Is, is that fair? Where are you hoping to to finish? Have you given that any thought? No, a little bit. I mean, I think, what were we last year? I think we were fifth last fifth year. Fifth last um, year. So I think, I think, I hope, we're a little bit stronger this year, I hope, just because we're I'm hoping we have a little bit more batting depth than we did last year. Um, so I would hope we're a little bit stronger, but I'm also very conscious that um, other teams will have overseas, like amateurs or pros, as you say. So it's kind of how the offset of hopefully us being a little bit better um, versus how much better other teams will be with overseas. Because it could yeah. be that we improve, but then everybody else improves by a bigger jump, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think realistically, if we ended up, I would hope we could be, I would still aim to be top half. I don't know if I could necessarily say we'd aim for like higher than that, but I think that that's a realistic expectation at the moment. So yeah, I think top half definitely what I'd be aiming for right now. And then once I get a good indication of, how good other teams are and how good some of the acquisitions they've got are, then we'll probably be able to figure out roughly where we think we'd be. Yeah. yeah. Try for top half. Definitely. Aim. So the OTS predictors have got Fergus Lee, Clydesdale, Ayr, Uddingston, Presswick, and then the bottom five, Sterling West, Kelburn, and Langside and Dumfries to drop down. 
probably sounds I don't know, it doesn't nothing nothing there sounds crazy, <laughs> to be fair. But the other thing is is there's no science gone into that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say just as gonna say what launch you have behind it. Just as there's no science that's gone into the OTS predictor for top bowling aggregate and top batting aggregate. Um as as with usual, uh, you're trying to fit 10 guys that you think are going to be the best bowlers and the best batters. And there's always going to be people that you've missed out or you've forgotten. Um, but it doesn't stop some of the teams reminding you who you've missed out. Yeah, <laughs> always going to happen, isn't it? It's not going to please everyone. <laughs> Good, 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 good. Well, listen, I'm not going to keep you any longer. Have a good day tomorrow. It's looking set fair, so certainly it's going to be, I don't think the sun is going to be splitting the skies, but I think it's going to be dry, which is all we can hope for, I guess, in the middle of May. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think April was dry and cold and it rained last week, so if we can get dry and slightly warmer tomorrow, we'll take it. <laughs> Let's hope so. Okay, listen, have a good season and uh, we'll get you on again throughout the season. Sounds good. Right. Cheers, 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 Cheers. Bye.